Bernard. Thank you very much. It is great to see you all again. It's great to see you. I've got two, two well, three friends uh, from our previous church, Diane, David, and Bradley, Mr. Sport, it's lovely to see you. So we, this is what we do. Um, you should have seen the French family that's only up here a few weeks ago. Um, but it's great to have you with us um, and it's good to be with you all again. I, I, we're going to be starting, let me say, yeah, it said 1 Thessalonians up there, but we're not actually doing 1 Thessalonians today. Partly, we will be next week. But I was actually so touched by what Ali shared uh, after our time of worship last week that I kind of thought, you know what, I think that's something that I think we can put our finger on a bit more. And so that's what I want to do today, because Ali talks about how, how in recent weeks where we've seen answers to prayer, that it has stirred faith, and that, you know, that, that, that she's now praying with expectation and seeing more prayers answered, and I thought that's really amazing, I really love that, I thought I want to pick up on that, so um, I, I don't usually do this, I've entitled my sermon today, which is called Fighting for Thankfulness, Fighting for Thankfulness, and I want to talk about Fighting for Thankfulness. Because that is what Ali was talking about. Uh, she was talking about giving thanks, recognizing something that God has done, giving thanks, and expecting Him to do more. And giving thanks is an important part of that journey because we need to recognize that He's already at work, that He's already wanting to do good things in order to expect Him to do more. It's further encouragement as well to follow the trickle. We, I spoke from Ezekiel 47 last week and the, the stream that issued out of the temple and how it was just a trickle, just ankle deep, and eventually it became a river that could only be swung in. Thankfulness is a big part of this. And I know, because I speak to you, uh, that although we are thankful for what God is doing, but actually... There's always difficulties, aren't there? There are always difficult things, and it's always hard to give thanks. And so, uh, and it's important that when we're in those times that we lead ourselves well, that when, when discouragements come, that we, we don't let our discouragement lead us, but that we lead ourselves in our discouragement and out of it. And, um, and this is something, thankfulness is something that the world uh, really struggles with. The world doesn't give thanks very much. Our world, um, if I could be really general, is quite angry. There's so much that the world is so angry about, and, and sometimes rightly so. There are justice issues that the world is kind of, you know, sadly ahead of the church on, saying this has to stop. And and so there's rightly, there's righteous anger, but there's also just anger. An angry world, and, and an angry world doesn't give thanks very often. We also live in a very anxious world. You know, before the pandemic, one in four people suffered from mental health issues. At, at one point in the pandemic, that went up to almost one in three. And although it's reduced again now, I was reading this week, one in six people in any given week will report to experiencing some mental health issue or other. So we're a very anxious world as well. And there are a number of reasons for that. There are a number of reasons for that. There are kind of broad cultural, societal reasons for why we're anxious. You know, if you're working full-time and you still can't quite afford to pay your bills, you're going to be anxious. And 
that is the world that people are living in these days, and increasingly so. But we're also anxious for less, less understandable reasons, or that there's kind of a keeping up with the Robinsons, isn't there, in the world? You know, keeping up with the neighbours. And that has changed so much over the years that that used to not mean as much as it means now. And it, it, it means a lot. And I want to read, I don't normally do this, but I want to read a quote from a book. This is a book called Rejoice and Tremble. The subheading says, The Surprising Good News of the Fear of the Lord. Uh, and essentially, it's trying to, the book is trying to recapture a healthy fear of God, what that actually means. It's not terror, it's reverence, it's awe. And, and in it, the author talks about the fact that atheism promised the world freedom from fear. If you would let go of God, you would find freedom from fear. There was a, there was a misunderstanding in the Christian faith that it was primarily rooted in the fear of an angry God, which we know isn't true. And it says that, you know, let me just read it. This is, this is quoted in this book. It's a secular historian, a secular, uh, what is he? Let me find it. I can't remember it. Oh, where is it? Anyway, a professor. Someone who knows what he's talking about, unlike me, clearly. <laughs> professor Frank Furedian. Why Americans fear when they have far less to fear than in other moments in the past is a question that puzzles numerous scholars. One argument used to explain this paradox in a safe society is that prosperity encourages people to become more risk and loss averse. There may be something to this. We certainly are free to want more, have the chance to own more, and often feel the right to enjoy more. And the more you want something, the more you fear its loss. When your culture is hedonistic, your religion therapeutic, and your goal a feeling of personal well-being, fear will be the ever-present headache. And that's a, that's a secular scholar. That's someone who's going, actually, as we... As we we kind of become people who are used to having more stuff, wanting more stuff, is actually maybe more fearful, more afraid. We're afraid of loss. So I want to read a little bit more. Um, in ousting God from our culture, other concerns, from personal health to the health of the planet, have assumed the divine ultimacy in our minds. Good things have become cruel and pitiless idols, and thus we feel hopelessly fragile. No longer anchored, society fills with free-floating anxieties. I think that is, I think that really sums up well what I think is happening in our society. I think, I, I just, I just think there's legs for days in that Judges series that we did, the Canaanization of Israel, and what, what does that mean for us? I really do think that we can we could, be, we could be reflecting on that forever. I think this is something that has crept into the church. This idea that the paradox of a safe society means that we, we tend to, as people, become more risk and loss averse. We don't want to take risks. We don't want to lose stuff. That is, it is a fearful thing for us. It's an anxiety-inducing thing for us. And you see, that is, that is 
that stands in opposition to the lives of courageous faith that God wants us to live. The lives where we are, I will give up anything for you, God. Wherever you lead me, whatever it takes, I want to follow you. I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that no loss will be too great for me to bear because you are with me in this. And I think that I think that um, that we do, as God's people, we, we can be neutralized by the cares of the world. We can unconsciously conform to patterns that God doesn't want us to conform to. I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 100 this morning, and we close that's the end of the introduction. I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 100 this morning, which is one instruction said in three different ways with two explanations of why we should do the one instruction. And the instruction, I'm going to, I'm going to say that the instruction is to love God. That the three different ways that Psalm 100 says it is to praise him, to worship him, and to give thanks to him. If we are, as a society, more risk and loss averse, and increasingly anxious, and increasingly uh, in that, numbed to the risk-taking steps of faith that God would have us take, giving thanks, as Ali said last week, is, is so important part of the process of growing in confidence in God and in trust in God as we give thanks for the triple who leads us ever deeper, we trust him more, we take bigger steps of faith. I forgot to say, which I forgot to say, it's in my notes, I forgot to say it, but because I love sometimes popular Christian uh, phrases, because how do you spell faith? Hey! <laughs> you felt made risk, apparently. Um, I, I know that's not true, but it, it makes me laugh sometimes the things that you come out with. Um, anyway, I'm going to look at Psalm 100, and I absolutely love the Psalms. The Psalms for us is, is you know, if you want to learn how to pray, read the Psalms. If you want to learn how to pray, read the Psalms. And I think it's so important to us because if. Because here's the thing, we are, you know, we're, we're pursuing this prophetic word over us that we will be like an indulgence cave where the depressed, the indebted, and the discouraged will come and find hope and healing. Now, if someone who is depressed or indebted or discouraged comes among us and they are hoping that they might find hope and healing, and if all we do is go, you believe in Jesus, and they say yes, and then you go, well, no, you're a child of God, you know. If, if that's all we do, it's, it's, it's a bit callous. It's not actually going to help them. And that isn't the model that we see in Scripture. If that was, if truth was all it took, the New Testament would be really short. It would be, in fact, it would be very similar to the Old Testament. It would be here are the truths that you need to know. Now go and live them. Just get on with it. But the New Testament isn't like that. It's full of letters of gracious reminders to people who have heard it before but they need to hear it again because we don't come to a list of rules that we just we need to just master and once we've mastered them we'll be fine we come to a person we come to a God who loves us we come to someone who comforts us and encourages us and strengthens us and, and it's a joy
journey that he takes us on. And, and thankfulness is such an important part of that journey. But I guess this morning, I might not be talking to the majority, although I might be, because this morning I'm talking to people who find thankfulness hard. And I think that that's okay. As I say, if, if finding thankfulness is immediately being told, you've got lots to be thankful for. The New Testament would be a lot shorter. Just being told you've got lots to be thankful for isn't the same as life-changing encounter with God over time. And so, let's read Psalm 100. I wonder, even though we, are, we don't have loads of time, can we read it together? If I read a verse, can you repeat it after me? Is that okay? Would you like to stand with me? It's so short that we can do this. It's so short that we can do this together. So I will read, I will try and set everything. Psalm 100, sorry. Uh, ESV, of course. What else could it be? <laughs> the extra special version. The specially sanctified. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. Forgive me. I am joking, there are other Bible translations available. Um, the, right, so I'm going to say, I'm going to read it, you're going to repeat it together. Okay, and I know it's going to be chaos when you repeat it together, but it's only short. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. And his faithfulness to all generations. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I love, it's a bit of a bit of a roundabout way of. Decide that I would speak from Psalm 100, um, and actually, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time speaking from Psalm 42. So, uh, but not too much time in between today. Five punchy verses there. As I say, there's only one instruction there sing to the Lord. That's the instruction. But just being told to sing to the Lord doesn't make it easy to just sing to the Lord. So this psalm says it three times. It says it in verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 4 and then in verse 3 and verse 5 we get the explanations of why. Why we should do it. Why we should do it. And the explanation in verse 3, the first explanation is that we exist for him. We exist because of him. He made us and we are his and we can rejoice 
in that we can give thanks to that no matter how hard we're finding it to give thanks father you saved us ephesians 1 3 to 4 said praise to praise be to god and father of our lord jesus christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It tells us we can give thanks that we are God's. He is ours. He has saved us. He loves us. The second explanation that Psalm 100 gives us is in verse 5, and it basically says he's good. You can give thanks to him because he's good. It is fitting praise. He's worth it. Yeah? He's faithful. He's good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness is to all generations. And so when we're struggling to be faithful, when we're discouraged, even, even I'm talking, I am talking to individuals, I'm talking to us as a church as well. Even when, you know, to use the language from Holland's sermon a few weeks ago now, even when we recognize that there is an empty vessel here that we want God to fill, even when we say, God, you are good, but I've got this empty vessel. You know, this, 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 this are going well, but this, I need you to work in, God. I need you to fill me. Even in those things, we can remember that he is faithful. Now, I want to quickly, very quickly, talk about the fact that it is possible to give thanks badly. And we do need to bear that in mind. In, in Luke 18, uh, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, two people went to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee came close to the altar and prayed, Father, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like murderers or adulterers or this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of everything I own. And then, and then the tax collector standing far away, couldn't even look to heaven, beats his chest and, and says, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus tells us that it was, the, it was the tax collector, not the Pharisee, who went back to his home justified. So we do need to be careful how we give thanks, because our, our thanksgiving can be a, it can be a mask of pride. And we need to be careful that as we're giving thanks, that we're giving thanks in a way that is fitting, that is building up to others, and that is not deluding ourselves. That it is, God, I'm, I'm thankful for you for this. I'm not just thanking you so that I can big myself up. I'm thankful to you for this. And now, importantly, I want to talk about what do we do when we struggle for, for thankfulness. As I say, one in four people suffer from mental health issues and just telling them to be present in the moment, give thanks, give thanks, uh, isn't, uh, isn't, it, it's, it's a half-truth that, that misses the point that people need to encounter with Jesus. They need life-changing, God-breaking moments. I, I made a video on this in the pandemic. I wonder if any of you remember it. Because, as I say, I love the Psalms. They teach us how to pray. They teach us how we can go to God, totally honestly with how we are. 
And in Psalm 42, David starts off by saying, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. You know, there's an expression of hunger, of need. God, it is, I am not okay, and I need you. And, and, and we, we know we can pray like that. We can pray like that. We can come to God and we can say, God, it is not okay. I really need you. And you hear in David as well the, the, hollow, the hollow promises of, well, actually, it's not the hollow promises of his comforters. It's the accusations of, of, his, of his opposition. My tears have been my food day and night, he says. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? And I read into modern parlance. Why are you so upset? Are you tired of God? Why are you struggling? Don't you know how much he loves you? It's true, it's important, but it's not enough. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. These moments, these times together, those moments where we really do have powerful encounters with God, they are the triple, they are the things that we give thanks for and remember as we look forward to God moving in faithfulness again today. That was what David did. He remembered when times were great. He remembered those moments where he felt invincible because he was with God and he was with the people of God. And this is the bit that, uh, that I spoke about. David saying, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Saviour and my God. I might be wrong. I'm not a commentator. Well, I am a commentator now. I think David was depressed. I think David was depressed. There are so many things that David could have pointed out as explanation of why his soul was downcast, why his spirit was disturbed within So many things brothers have hated me. When, when my brothers had to come and stand before the prophet, they forgot about me. My brothers hated me in the field, saw through spears at me and betrayed me. I've had to leave everything and everyone to save my life. David could have easily pointed at any number of those things, and yet David says, why? Why, my soul, are you down past? Why are you in turmoil within me? There's a, there's a, I don't know why. It's, it's a depression. It's a cloud. It's something that can't be explained, that you can't push someone out of. You can. I mean, that's what CBT exists for. That's what mindfulness exists for. You know, there are things that can help. But this is, God, how can you find hope in you? How can, how can you break into this situation? If I break my arm, I'm still going to go to a doctor and get to put it in a cast, but actually I want you to heal my arm. You know, while it's in a cast, would this, would this, would you heal this man? 
know, it's both. I wanted to say this, as I say, forgive me, because I know I might not be speaking to the majority here, but if we are, and I keep repeating this prophetic word that's over us, if we are to see that culture knitted into us, so that not only, because here's the thing, something that I haven't stated clearly now, when David's mighty army was gathered, when Adullam's pain happened, and the depressed, the indebted, and the discouraged came to him. They didn't just find hope and healing and then felt better and oh, isn't that great? They became a mighty army. They went out from that place and they did amazing things. And so if we are going to be an adult's cave, we need to be real about, you know, if we're saying if we're going to be an adult's cave where the depressed can come and find hope and healing, where the discouraged can come and find hope and healing. We need to be absolutely real about what that means, what that looks like. We need to be absolutely real that saying to someone suffering with depression, a child of God. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's absolutely true. It really is. But as I say, if that was all it took, the New Testament would be much shorter. Because these are people who knew that. But they had to be told again, they had to be encouraged again, they had to be journeyed with. They had to be listened to. They had to be uh, prayed for, comforted, encouraged. All these things is a journey. And if we're going to see that, we have to be we have to be ready for that. We don't want, as as that secular historian said, you know, your culture is hedonistic and your religion is therapeutic. You know, you're going to meet these people. We're going to be. There's going to be a depth of maturity and strength. To the faith of the people in this congregation, which will live with people so that they don't just get better, but that they become mighty soldiers in the Lord's army, and that together we will go and do great things. We're not just going to get well, we're going to get strong. We're going to go and we're going to take ground because God has done a wonderful thing in us. So I'm, I'm nearly finished. Very finished. I want us to fight for thankfulness. I want us, Croydon Jubilee Church, to not be blind or uncaring to the fact that there are still empty vessels that we need God to fill. But let's give thanks. Let's remember, as we look at these empty vessels, we are God's. We are His. He is good. He, his love endures forever. He is faithful to all generations. If we've got an empty vase, he's going to fill it. He's going to fill it. And, and I think that we need to, we need to recognise, actually, the part that we play in this is really small. The part that we play in this is much smaller than we think. I think it's a, 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 a sign of pride and a sign of, of, of what a proud society that we live in if we think that the part that we play is more significant than it is. God is the one who does this. God is the one who works in us. God is the one who works through us. Yes, we have to be faithful. Yes, we have to take risks. Yes, we have to actually do stuff. But I think we overestimate our heart. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. I want us to pray for thankfulness. We, um, we, 
we've, it's been so encouraging seeing the prayer that we've seen. And yet, you know what? If in God's sovereignty we now see another answer prayer, we might not do it. And if, God forbid, we have some dry Sunday mornings, doesn't mean God left us. Doesn't mean something's going wrong. Doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong. Doesn't mean that uh, He doesn't care. Carry on. We give thanks. We keep pressing on. We keep remembering who He is. We keep remembering what His plans are for His people. His plans that He has promised He will fulfil. And we carry on. And we, in the words of last week, we follow the trickle. We follow the trickle wherever it leads us. And, and that is where I want to finish. We're going to take communion together, and, and we'll, we'll, the band, Joel, will come back. Uh, we'll come back first, because I don't think we have time for communion and then worship. We'll come back. We're going to take communion together, which I'm just going to ask Bernard to do. So I'm, I'm going to finish now and hand over to Bernard, and we will take communion, um, and we will enjoy some more time of worship. Thank you, Bernard. We don't have time for this week, but we will have time.